Okay, so yesterday we talked about how Satoshi Nakamoto was going to be revealing himself supposedly in a three-part series. The first part came out shortly after I uploaded my video, and today, rather than having to wait till tomorrow for part three, we got both part two and part three from this individual who has now supposedly disclosed the identity, identity the self-identity, of Satoshi Nakamoto. So what I'm going to go ahead and do for this video is invite you to sit back, grab a cup of coffee, grab a beer, grab some water, and listen to this podcast-style format where I'm pretty much just going to go ahead and read the post so you can make your own inferences yourselves. So here we go. As told to Ivy McLemore, my reveal... This combines part two and part three of a three-part series in which Satoshi Nakamoto discloses previously unknown facts about his creation of Bitcoin. He also reveals the status of his 980,000 Bitcoins and his real-life identity. These two parts are being combined because of the overwhelming interest we have received. So, parts two and three, my 980,000 Bitcoins and my real identity. Firstly, a timely note. I'm grateful for the people who sent me one simple line of thank you after reading part part one of my reveal. I truly appreciate it. That's the reason I'm coming back to people like them and to make a difference in people's lives. And now for the cynics. I was expecting this reaction. Some think that going onto my website through archive.org makes them laugh at me questioning why I didn't write Bitcoin and leave a note about being Satoshi Nakamoto with my mobile number on it. Also, regarding the petty issues like spelling mistakes and network outage, keep in, keeping in mind, it's all been communicated through a professional team and we had tremendous traffic load to deal with, but the team were resilient in posting everything smoothly. There'll be many mistakes made in this journey and we will fix them because our purpose is genuine, taking Bitcoin to the next level. For these trolls, I'll quote myself when I said on July 29, 2010, if you don't believe me or don't get it, I don't have time to try to convince you. Sorry. I'll also quote myself again when I said on November 14, 2008, it's very attractive to the libertarian viewpoint if we can explain it properly. I'm better with code than with words, though. Hence, I hired a PR company to express my vision in the best possible way. And I'm compelled to say that Ivy and his team are working tirelessly to take my vision forward for the common people. I just want to add that everything I did in my hiatus years was either to hide my Satoshi ID or just to experiment with something new. I began my normal 9-5 job with a public organization in 2011 and I didn't want to gain any monetary benefits from any venture. Hence, I was ex either experimenting on my thoughts or products which will work for me like the way NEXT did for Steve Jobs. I'm adamant to provide a secure future to our next generations, far from the online abuse and trolling of our children. Numbers fascinate me. As an avid lover of numerology and astrology, I use both in my day-to-day -day life. I do believe God is the ultimate mathematician, as everything around us can be viewed as numbers. God created this world in six days. There are six working days of the week in different religions. There are six days of the six branches of the menorah. There are 24 books in the Tanakh, and there are 24 Kohanic gifts. Kohanic gifts. There are too many different spoken languages in the world, but the language of numbers is universal. Numbers have no accents or dialects. Our names even convert to numbers. When you study religions, they all view numbers as important. When I was working on the idea of Bitcoin, numbers were sending me strong signals. My names, email addresses, dates of domain registration, everything is connected to numbers. One or two encryptions may be seen as coincidence, but not the full list. In Chaldean numerology, BCCI is equivalent to number nine, where the vowels 
vowels equate to the number one and the consonants equate to the number eight. It is the reason I kept the length of the original 2008 Bitcoin white paper to nine pages. Bitcoin and the BCCI equal 23. The number 23 is important to me as two plus three equals five. The number five is related to the planet Mercury, known in astrology as the messenger of God. Therefore, the number five has a powerful significance to me. The choice of deriving the term Bitcoin from BCCI, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, was because in Chaldean numerology, the word Bitcoin is equivalent to the number 23, so the, the digits of which, when added together, equate to the number five. I wanted to equate the BCCI name to Bitcoin name, so I added the with BCCI. Though I first registered BCCI as a domain name, the, the BCCI is equivalent to the number 23. The Bitcoin limit of 21 million. In the eight years since I left my creation, there has been much wild speculation about many things connected to Bitcoin. When people don't have anyone to turn to for factual answers, imaginations can run wild. Social media can magnify the confusion. As an example, an online article about a month ago went into a detailed, purely speculative explanation of how I chose 21 million for Bitcoin supply limit. In simple terms, and using Chaldean numerology as my guide, I determined the Bitcoin supply limit of 21 million in two ways that led to the same outcome. Number one, 21 is a total of the November 18, 2008 registration date of the domain name, the BCCI.net owned with my real name. I wanted to leave a signature behind. 18, 11, 2008 is one plus eight plus one plus one plus two plus zero plus zero plus eight equaling 21. And number two, 21 is the number of Jupiter, the ruling sign of wealth. And the same as my mother's name, which in Urdu means Jupiter, the digits in 21 represent two plus one equaling three. I began work on a decentralized digital currency in 2007. While the recession fiasco of 2008 was taking place, on the 31st of October 2008, I published the white paper, Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. There was a reason to choose this date, as this sums up to 15, which is the same as the Bank of Credit and Commerce's numerology number. I chose vowels number 32 equal 23 for the BCCI.net and Bitcoin.org. I opted for the 3rd of January 2009 as the creation date of the genesis block for bitcoin 31 or 3 plus 1 plus 2 plus 0 plus 0 plus 9 equaling 15. on the 3rd of january 2009 i looked at the times newspaper and saw the headline that i hinted in the genesis block code the times 03 january 2009 chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks Email addresses and DOB. I saw somewhere that people couldn't understand my reasoning for using the username Satoshi N and email as Satoshi N at gmx.com in my Bitcoin white paper in 2008 and not any other email addresses. I did so because the 29th is the day I was born and 55 is a number for Satoshi Nakamoto and for Satoshi N at gmx.com. I am three years younger than the April 5th, 1975 date of birth listed on my public profile. My actual date of birth is September 20, 29, 1978. 929-1978. If you calculate all these numbers, and this was in my mind as a way to maintain anonymity, 9 plus 2 plus 9 plus 1 plus 9 plus 7 plus 8 equals 45. While doing research for April 5th, I found two important dates for gold and changes in the rules for people to handle their personal wealth. On April 5th, 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt issued an executive order making it illegal in the U.S. to own gold. And in 1975, Americans once again enjoyed the right to do so. If you calculate the 5th of April, in numerology becomes 42 and 4 plus 2 equals 6. 
Bitcoin's developmental phase. By 2009, I had finished many of the initial development tasks on the Bitcoin code with the help of many talented international contributors, taking my early vision to its end. Whilst dealing with the various contributors, I was fairly paranoid and protective about my identity and about sharing knowledge with other developers, which was on a need-to-know basis. Quite often, the other developers who I involved in the initial stages worked on certain sections of the developmental phase, not knowing the full picture. This often meant I had to be very assertive in my dealings with developers without revealing too much to any one of them. I quite rightly had many fears, even as a person who was always very liberal, liberal and who loved human beings regardless of their creed, religion, sect, or nationality. But at the same time, I observed how some people could give a positive thing negativity. I had this in mind when I was creating Bitcoin, a currency that in my vision was a revolution, but at the same time founded by a then Pakistani. I derived its name and inspiration from a bank that the mainstream media declared as an evil bank. So looking back, you can understand my fears. Satoshi mode. When my original email addresses were hacked, I saw some emails circulating from some imposters pretending to be to be me. People don't realize that just typing two spaces after a full stop doesn't make them me, as there were other reasons behind it. When I was developing Bitcoin, I'd go into Satoshi mode when writing each email. My mother tongue is not English. When I was growing up, my experience with the society I was in was very judgmental about how you read, write, and speak in English. With this in mind, I was really conscious of my use of language. I would spend hours in front of the mirror trying to perfect my accent and pronunciation. Throughout my life, I have worked really hard to improve and better myself. When I began working on the e-currency project, I was very careful, as almost all the people were from the West, and I didn't want to come across as a guy who wasn't good in the English language. I used to ask for help from some English people. Some of them were good English literature teachers. I used to send different people two three-line paragraphs to correct so they couldn't understand what exactly what I was working on, and they would then return the correct version. I can recall the names of the people I sent the corrections to or the people I saw personally, but if they were to recognize me, I would be more than welcome to meet them. People who are now in their 50s were trained on typewriters. My generation was trained on computers. On typewriters, people were trained to leave two spaces. So the return paragraphs from the English helpers had two spaces after a full stop. This was a unique aspect for me. So I adopted that as my signature writing from Satoshi Nakamoto and also to make myself look older than my real age at the time. In my hiatus years, I was so conscious about Satoshi mode that I purposely began writing English in a very ungrammatical way, along with spelling mistakes and sometimes even leaving no spaces after periods. I purposely tried to make my English writing weak because I didn't want to come across as a person who likes to write like myself, Satoshi. I was so paranoid not to be identified as Satoshi that I wanted to downplay everything. Bitcoin was my passion. My vision was that one day it would change the whole banking system. But the irony was that in 2008, 2009, I was going through serious financial problems myself. I had come to the UK to visit my ex-partners in a business venture I had started with them. But in reality, I was broke financially and personally. On top of it all, I was at the point in my life where everything I did was a failure. I had many setbacks in several ventures I tried, be it setting up and working in medical transcription, electronic health records, or VOIP, voice over IP, or broadband, or hedge fund, financial management, debt management businesses and everything I came across all I experienced were big losses betrayals and deceit but in the end I always clung to the invaluable experience I had gained in the diversified business fields I tried changing priorities on one thing built inside of me is that I'm a fighter 
I've always envisioned something beyond this life that has had a greater purpose. In February and January 2009 in the UK, the weather was very cold. There was a bad snowstorm in February and I was penniless. I remember walking on a street at night with some guy while it was snowing and I thought one day Bitcoin, BCCI, will take over all these banks that are holding me back now. In mid-2009, I met my future wife and I knew straight away that I wanted to settle down and have some peace in my life instead of exerting time and effort into my ventures. The process of me selling down in Britain began in 2010. So I made the, dis dis the decision to invest in my personal slash domestic life and live a peaceful life at home and not delve into the fanciful world of Bitcoin, which, is, which it was at the time. Bitcoin mining. I mined 980,000 Bitcoins using a remote computer and my laptop in 2009. As Hal Finney explained this in his 2013 Bitcoin talk post quite accurately, those were the days when the difficulty was one and you could find blocks with a CPU, not even a GPU. I learned over the years never to leave important data on a remote or old redundant hard drive as it can be recoverable after normal format and deletion. I experimented on the Gutman method and other methodologies, algorithms on how to delete data permanently from HDD or remote computers as I was also experimenting on many ways to secure the wallets for Bitcoin and how not to leave important Bitcoin data. I was so conscious not to leave the wallet.dat file or private keys and redundant or backup hard drives as there was no secure cloud platforms at that point. And as I described earlier, I was truly paranoid. Firstly, I transferred all the relevant files to my Fujitsu Life book laptop and then to refurbished Acer Aspire laptop that I had bought online from a well-known chain in the UK. I'd often leave the Acer laptop running overnight to conduct tests before transferring all the precious data. After transferring files from the remote PC, I wiped all the data from it permanently. I was very careful never to leave data that was recover recoverable on any remote PC or, lap or old laptop. Every PC I used remotely was wiped clean in a short period of time, securely and permanently. The ominous blank screen. One morning in 2010, I woke up and my Acer had a blank screen. I thought, what's going on? The night before, I had just moved the wallet.dat file after all the major tests on the laptop and everything was working fine. As I mentioned before, I had a habit of not leaving any trace and I was over the top cautious as I knew I was dealing with files that can be traced to recovery software. So I deleted the file securely and permanently from my Fujitsu laptop. My, guts in, my gut instinct was saying, don't delete it. As Bitcoin was in its early stages, my understanding was that, the copy, that copying the same wallet.dat to two different computers initially seemed to work, but if you continue to use Bitcoin client to send Bitcoin, the two copies will be out of sync. I was heavily involved with testing the client at this point. I felt that the Fujitsu was on its last, last legs and I didn't want to mess with the chain of blocks. Therefore, I transferred the file and formatted the Fujitsu's hard drive permanently. This was done after I had performed rigorous tests on the Acer Aspire laptop as I wanted to ensure that everything was running smoothly before I removed the data permanently on the Fujitsu. The morning, I saw something was not right with the display, I rang the support guys. They sent, they asked me to send the laptop in as it was under warranty. They said they have a look. Nightmare. Very anxious, I rang the support guys the next day. They said they were looking into it and they would get back in touch ASAP. They asked me to ring them back in 48 hours. I rang them again 48 hours later and they informed me they had good news. The hard drive was packed in and they had replaced the hard drive free of charge and sent the laptop back on its way. The reality sets in. I never thought that the hard drive was as bad as I had performed rigorous tests on it. Was that bad as I had performed rigorous tests on it only days before. I'd assumed they would either rep repair either the display or RAM or graphics chip and send it back. This had happened before to my Fujitsu and resetting the RAM solved the issue. I also did not want to open the laptop as it had a warranty sticker on the back.
My everything was in that hard drive. It was military-grade encrypted and password-protected, so I was overly confident to the point of being arrogant. The techie guys could not have access to my HDD data. That's why I left the HDD inside the laptop and it didn't take it out. The laptop came back by courier a few days later and it came, contained a new hard drive and of course the Bitcoins weren't there. I mentioned my mistake in a somewhat cryptic post I made on Bitcoin Talk in October 2010. Sigh, why delete a wallet instead of moving it aside and keeping the old data just in case you should never delete a wallet was what that post had said. I had a paralysis attack that day. My legs were not working, but what could I do? I tried to go into my old laptop and see if I could do some magic, but I could not. And at that time, retrieval software was limited and I was having a dose of my own medicine. In hindsight, I should have bought a 30 pound printer to at least print my private keys, a valuable life lesson. Looking back now, should I have done some basic hard drive checks when the screen went blank? Yes. How can be a very smart guy, founder of Bitcoin, make such a stupid, costly mistake? Should I have consulted with Hal? I didn't because I felt I had let Hal down for making such a root-level mistake. I didn't want to tell anyone or consult anyone as I had felt humiliated. I abruptly stopped communicating to Hal, and this was one of the main reasons I went into self-exile. I left and didn't mine any more Bitcoins. I blamed myself for the last eight or nine years and learned that these are moments that are mysteries of life, and this patient needed the bitter pill. <laughs> People should realize the arrogance can lead you to one mistake, no matter how smart you are, when which can change things forever. I have learned the hard way that humility is the best policy. On October, on, I'm sorry, on December 17, 2017, Bitcoin reached its historical peak of $19,738.06, meaning 980,000 Bitcoins would have been worth more than $19 billion, $19,387,398,800 to be precise. To this day, the memory of recalling all this information is very painful. I could not forgive myself all these for, for all these years. Now the reason I left Bitcoin is the reason for my comeback, as I have accepted the truth, and I will make try to make Bitcoin better. Today, some people claim they are Satoshi, but they don't want to move any coin because they don't know all the facts. I challenge them to move even 0.0001 Bitcoin from my lost fortune, and I will literally call them my guru. Here, I was the founder of Bitcoin, my disappearance, with the 980,000 Bitcoins to my name lost in the either world. In the meantime, Bitcoin had taken a turn for the worse and was growing within the marketplace for all the wrong reasons. The last straw for me was in 2011 when Gavin Andreessen, one of the prominent early software developers who helped me, decided to talk to the CIA about Bitcoin. At this stage, I already wanted to create distance between Bitcoin and myself. The illicit usage of Bitcoin was not something that I wanted to be associated with. It was no longer a important for me to invest my energies into this as a venture as it was not yielding any financial gain for me. More importantly, I didn't see myself as worthy as I was already blaming myself for doing such a root level mistake, losing my Bitcoin fortune in a most bizarre way. I honestly thought people like Hal, Gavin, and Mike Hearn were better than I and felt that my purpose was fulfilled. I just wanted to run away from the world of Bitcoin. I withdrew completely from Bitcoin and anything related to it. At this stage of my life, I was mentally and physically on the verge of collapsing. The pressure was building for me to do the right thing and stabilize my domestic life. On April 23rd, 2011, I sent my last email as Satoshi Nakamoto to my current and a few other developers to say that I was moving on to other things and that I know that I knew Bitcoin was in good hands with people like Gavin Andreessen. I gave up the domain Bitcoin.org but kept the domain name thebcci.net. I wanted to have a connection with Bitcoin but somehow forced myself into self-exile. 
Yet I wanted to utilize the bcci.net domain, so I formed a few web presences such as the Boston Group, Alexander Hawthorne, and Cy Reese's to, to, to partake in different areas of business. Therefore, I chose not only to be anonymous, but also to go into silent mode for the next five years or so. The domains above were dormant too. I was trying to move into new territories and get away from my own creation. Hence, I created the above and many other dormant ideas and domains. Hakuna Matata years. Towards the end of 2011, uh, I wanted a job where I served people, so I joined the National Health Service, NHS, the world's largest single-payer healthcare system and biggest employer in the UK. It's a nationally prestigious organization with an overall annual budget of more than 125 billion pounds. My job at NHS, I was a support analyst in the NHS. <laughs> Here I was performing work that helped me overcome my misery, which I fell felt when I lost all my fortune as I was helping indirectly patients, doctors, management. I chose this root level job to begin another life from scratch as I did PC support jobs in the beginning of my career. But later in life, I had more exposure towards electronic health records. This is which this is when I began a very normal life that I call my Hakuna Matata phase. All that had been important as single men were no longer uh, was as a single man was no longer a priority. I didn't even check my Satoshi emails for months. Even when I tried checking at some point in 2012, I realized that I couldn't access them. I thought that either I had lost my password or someone had hacked my account. Either way, I thought of this as a blessing in disguise and didn't bother trying to regain access. Now, my priorities were as simple were, were as a simple person who began his very normal life serving people in different capacity. At NHS, I worked fixing PCs, helping infrastructure, attending board meetings, creating project boards, program management, project management, and cost improvement programs. I consoled myself as it was all about helping the needy ones whilst earning a real living wage. In my hiatus years, I had a lethal back injury and was bedridden for almost 10 months starting in May 2015. I endured painful back surgery in December 2015 and spent the next few months in recovery. I had a lot of time to think. This time changed my outlook forever on things. I realized just how fragile and unpredictable life is. A Nurka coin. Around this time, I felt that I had let my initial vision down. So with a back injury and with limited options, I decided to start over. I began working on the Bitcoin slash blockchain project again and created the world's first centralized crypto slash blockchain framework, a Nurka coin, which I didn't publish. I was working on the next phase of Bitcoin slash blockchain that, again, I hope to transform the world. I chose the names Anurka and Anurka Coin to have two sets of consonants, 55 for Satoshi Nakamoto alias and 23 for Bitcoin and 23 total as in Bitcoin. I persisted on working with the public sector as I continued my mental and physical recovery. I worked on the project in my free time. At this point, I had no intention of being enticed by any monetary benefits for my project while working for NHS. It was not possible for me even if I had wanted to because it would have created a conflict of interest at work. At about the same time, I took stock of how the world was reacting to Bitcoin. I started to contemplate a reveal of my identity to others in 2016, but for various reasons, it was hard for me to do so as I had a lot to lose at this stage of my life. And for all the above reasons, it was increasingly hard for me to make definitive claims as to who I was. I had lost my original emails because my email accounts were hacked. I had lost my 980,000 Bitcoins because of the hard drive crashing, and I had no digital signature because I never planned to reveal myself. I kept on working on different things connected to Bitcoin and blockchain as I wanted to do something better than before, which added value to what we have now and not just replicate things. This drive came from not wanting to prove my worth to the world, but to prove my worth to myself. A period of reinvention and invention. Again, I again got involved with a really good team of professionals. I invented the world's first artificial intelligence-based crypto investment management platform. I was also working on inventing some really innov innovative 
innovative crypto blockchain frameworks like the world's first big data analytics based hedge fund management blockchain platform and the world's first full gold value chain blockchain platform. This is where I realized and rediscovered the potential of the IBM Hyperledger and Ethereum frameworks and how these frameworks have been victims of the same neglect, greed and incompetence as Bitcoin. And at the same time, I continue to apply for work at many companies which claim to have innovation in blockchain to see if my technological and financial acumen and expertise could help the blockchain industry and for me to do what I love the most in my life. I, however, found that almost all these companies rejected me to work for them on the grounds that when I explained blockchain-related questions, they felt I did not answer them sufficiently. I found this situation in itself ironic as many companies went through the initial craze of ICOs, but they were giving nothing back to the common man. It seemed that people would link the names of Toshi Nakamoto to any blockchain company or any new finance slash IT company and think that this was enough to make their enterprise a success. I came across companies created just to make a to make quick money or companies that had no vision. They only wanted answers from prospective employees just so they could tick their tick boxes without actually having the knowledge to understand the expertise and the knowledge that was being offered to them. This was reminiscent of the dot-com bubble where people were not bothered where people were not bothered about the company or advances in technology. They wanted only to take money from investors and other people by any means so that they could buy themselves fancy cars and homes. It would have been far easier for me to just publish my recent work and go for some ICO, but I didn't do it even though everything was ready and I had tested the products rigorously. Even people that work on these projects were not able to understand why I did not launch some ICO. They thought I was sitting on a gold mine and could make hundreds of millions of dollars easily. If all I wanted to do was make money, I could have done so by releasing these frameworks through some ICO. But money wasn't the factor motivating me at all. By 2018, I was completely and hopelessly disillusioned with my Bitcoin creation and life itself and wholly disappointed at the turn of events in my personal life and career. Renaissance man! It started to dawn on me that as I cared deeply for what I had created and uh, as I loved what I did, I had neglected the project. I saw that people's greed had turned a beautiful project into a money-making monster which was bleeding millions of dollars, billions of dollars from normal, everyday people. I realized that's the only, that the only person who was able to fix this outcome was me, the original creator of Bitcoin slash blockchain as we know it now. At, at this point, I once more began to contemplate that I would reveal myself. It no longer mattered to me if I was believed or not. I needed to rise above the old Satoshi and start on something that built on what had already been done for the resurrection of my original vision for Bitcoin. Uh, for Bitcoin. In 2018, I asked a work colleague at NHS a hypothetical question about what if Satoshi were to reveal himself. I explained all the related problems that would be encountered and I asked her what Satoshi should do. Her response was, only Satoshi knows what he can do and who he is inside. If he is gifted and he is hiding because of the fear of his personal life or fear of the world, then he shouldn't come out. But if he cares about the cure he invented for people being abused, and if he has the right vision and has all the right ingredients to bring about the change in the world, then he shouldn't forgive himself by not revealing himself. He, she said Satoshi should take responsibility for his knowledge and expertise, and if he doesn't, then he shouldn't care about the world and continue to live a Hakuna Matata life. I asked her, I asked her what if people were to vilify Satoshi as he had lost his email account and his 980,000 bitcoins. Her reply was, would Picasso care to prove himself or would he prove himself through his work that he is Picasso? This led me to conclude that if Satoshi that if Satoshi was to be true to himself, then he must do so by saving and improving Bitcoin and not care what people think. At that point, I was going through tremendous stress and depression. I had such anxiety that at one point I contemplated suicide. It was then that I realized life without a purpose is nothing. 
That's why I made the decision to reveal myself, my first reveal. I did not really be, reveal my alias of Satoshi Nakamoto to my wife in our first eight years of marriage, but I was always very careful not to lie to her or purposely deceive her. In 2018, October, I confided to my wife that I had something very important to tell her, something she didn't know. As long as you're not going to tell me you're a murderer, she asked jokingly, no, I'm Satoshi Nakamoto. Who, she said? Go Google him, I told her. She did the next day while on a train to work. You don't look like him at all, she said after seeing photos of Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto, who was mistaken for me, mistaken for me in 2014. That's not me, I said. Are you a billionaire, she asked. Well, if I was, we wouldn't be living in a normal house. The more she observed, the more she understood. Now I realize why you have gone through all this. She asked, why are you keeping all these old laptops around? You should donate them to charity. I told her charities don't take old computers and no longer work. I considered two of them souvenirs for my early days developing Bitcoin. One of them is my Acer Aspire 5738, the most expensive laptop in history. <laughs> Fulfilling my promises. Earlier in my reveal, I pledged to reveal my country of origin and my education. I am from Pakistan. I reside in the UK. I have never resided in the US. I was graduated from the Al Qair University in Pakistan. I took online courses from Yale in financial management, from Duke in behavioral finance, and from the University of California, Irvine in project management. Special education. On a personal note, I am dedicating my comeback to Steve Jobs, a legend of our times who was also thought who also thought differently and changed people's lives. His name is synonymous with inspiration. Jobs narrated this Apple ad in 1997. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward, and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world's are the ones who do my real life identity. My birth name is Bilal Khalid. I use that name to register the domain name, the bcci.net on the 18th of November, 2008. I've since changed my legal forename and surname to James Khan. I updated my name on the domain registry of the bcci.net since the only owner of the domain can make such since only the owner of the domain can make such a change. But it is impossible for anyone to change the domain name itself or the date on which it was registered. There are multiple reasons for changing my name. In my childhood, my mother used to tease me by calling me either Khan, some of my mother's family's roots are Pathan, and my grandfather was Khan Saib, or James. She said that the way I used to behave or have my breakfast or displayed certain mannerisms that acted more like a James than a Khalid. The godfather of digital cash. After the creation of Bitcoin and having chosen the alias name of Satoshi Nakamoto thanks in part to Hal Finney, I was watching the movie The Godfather when I saw James Kahn. It was at that moment that I thought, I am the godfather of digital cash, though at that point I didn't have any intention to come out. When I calculated the name James Kahn using Kaldian numerology, it came up as a number 24. I also saw UK serial entrepreneur James Kahn on the BBC series Dragon's Den. I realized that I could relate to him and that he was an Asian who had also changed his name, which is very uncommon, and the dragon's name reminded me of my mom calling me James and Kahn. I shared my thoughts of changing my name with my wife. She insisted I keep my original name, too, going forward as my middle name. So I changed my name via deed poll to James Bilal Khalid Khan, which is equivalent to number 50. Day-to-day, -day, I choose to use a shorter version, as James Khan is the number 24 and my preferred name. It was a perfect combination in numerology as well as having personal significance. 
In the years after I left Bitcoin, I thought my real identity would be discovered at any time. I changed my writing style and tried not to even talk about cryptocurrency. I had this paranoia, especially when Bitcoin was being used by some Muppets for the wrong reasons. I created Bitcoins because I wanted people's lives to, to change people's lives. After I left, I was hoping someone would come out and say, I have done better than Satoshi. Satoshi is just history. Everything happens for a reason. Until recently, I was not ready for the world to learn a secret I had worked so long and so hard to conceal and protect, but I no longer live in fear. My confidence and my strong passion for my vision have been restored. So if you don't mind, go along with me in this revolution as we make stunning innovations for the continuum century and establish the framework for future ages to live in a secure, community-owned world. My full legal name is James Bilal Khalid Khan, but I will forever be known as Satoshi Nakamoto. Coming soon, information on Tabula Rasa, my clean slate vision for Bitcoin. Wow, that was a lot. We got a lot there. And surely, I mean, we're already seeing it, that people are beginning to dissect every bit of this to try to find inconsistencies. And one such individual was uh, Jeff Garzik, who was someone who shared emails with Satoshi back in the day. And this person said that the writing style is not the same as what we his writing style with this post is not the same as what we saw with Satoshi uh, when he was exchanging emails with him. But at the same time, you know, this person went to great lengths to, if they are Satoshi or not, right, to to say that they frequently changing change writing styles. That one thing that I found weird is that they, is that they say that they like to write and that they had consulted people to help them with uh, correcting English paragraphs. But this person. Who, who cared so much for language and writing didn't even take the time to write this post themselves, which still had some issues in it as we read through it uh, together. And they let a PR agency do this. Also, um, wouldn't the real Bitcoin, I mean, Satoshi, have just decided to help Bitcoin along, come back to the Bitcoin community itself, rather than offer a new vision for Bitcoin? It's very debatable whether this person could be Satoshi or not. There is a lot in here that somebody must have researched if they are not Satoshi to great lengths in order to make sure that they hit a lot of the bullet points and individuals that Satoshi interacted with and to cover them. Uh, this person tried to at least share how you know, they were obsessed with numbers and how that led to the creation of Bitcoin and the depression and loss of laptops that, that could very well have led to a depression and anxiety that would cause him to step away from Bitcoin for a while. Another thing people are noting on Reddit is that the picture of this Satoshi of James Khan looks like it was generated by a computer. There are websites now that use AI that can generate an infinite amounts of human faces. And this looks like one such face. There is a strange area there between the glasses, the, the, the fuzzy outlining, the feathering around the, the face. Um, I don't, I don't know about this. I want to know what you guys think, whether you think this is Satoshi or not. And I'll continue to probe uh, since we just got this published a little while ago and, and probe into the communities to see what, what else other people have to say about whether this is Satoshi or not so that I can share that with you in the future. Thank you so much for joining me. Feel free to share this or recall back it. Save this video if you just want to listen to it uh, later on as a reminder for whatever reason. And uh, I will see you guys later on. Take care, much love, and stay cryptic. Peace.